Today, we're going to be opening to this strength that comes with the Brahma Viharas of forgiveness. So we will be starting with the forgiveness practice in our meditation. When we do the forgiveness practice, it is fine to have tears come into the room. If you're going to wail out loud, that would be well, maybe something to do somewhere else. But otherwise, uh, um, and from my view, you're crying for all of us. And so, and there's a very specific kind of practice we do. Before we start, however, I want to uh, have you uh, open your minds to considering uh, another one of these threes. The, you know, the Buddha utilized three, uh, the, the use of threes, and the sacred is, was old when the Buddha was walking on the planet. It seems to be as old as humanity. But with the Buddha, it was Buddha Dhamma Sangha. It was, it was the three bells. You asked the Buddha three times if you want to get him to do something he's reluctant to do. That's, that's how there came to be a women's sangha, a women's nuns. And uh, that's what Baha'i did, you know, when he was, uh, when he was, he felt the urgency, and so he kept asking the Buddha. And then the Buddha gave him that short thing, and then Baha'i died right after that. That was left out of the talk the other night. And so this, this uh, why three works was an, an, a different topic for a different uh, day, not here on retreat. We're not wanting to go into speculation. We're just wanting to open to the, the, the impact of reflection on us. A reflection like, oh, I see that these different aspects of my own attitude towards practice fit together, that there's this maybe unseen pattern the way uh, letting loose happens, getting free of the second noble truth, where it's our clinging that's causing the second arrow. Most of you know that teaching. And that, that causes us to have an a, a ineffective, uh, a self-harming relationship with the existence of dukkha. We're not going to change the first noble truth but we can change our relationship to it. And so uh, uh, the three that I would like to bring up today that I don't believe I've brought up at all in this training, and again, this is, this is practical practice methods, practical, practical, practical practice method. The first of these is the need to surrender. The need to surrender. At some point in our practice, uh, we all come to understand this. We surrender to the way things are. We surrender that all of our needs, all of our desires that we think make up the life we wanted to have will not happen. We surrender to the truth of Anicca and on and on. We surrender. We surrender. And one of the things we surrender to is what has been, has been, 
and so that the we we may be carrying this big objection about the past and we really have a hidden demand i've mentioned this now third time i've mentioned hidden demand we may have a hidden demand that the past be other than it is you know good luck you know and so uh, the surrender we surrender to to the past the way it has been one of the things that happens in the dhamma is there is this uh, change in the past in a present because as we as we change in our understanding how we have held that past event whether it was something we were clumsy about or someone was uh, was very cruel to us in some way whatever it is that gets reframed not in the inappropriateness whether it's our inappropriateness or someone else's but in how it's held and looked at, the attitude we have towards it. And so uh, if we don't surrender, if we don't have this humility that I've talked about so much, if we don't have an integrity, if, 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 we, if we can't maintain our dignity, because if we can't maintain our dignity, the humility turns into humiliation, and the integrity turns, comes into this kind of we're imprisoned and we don't want anything to do with it. So these three really need to work together. And from that, uh, we can find surrender as part of our practice. It's laced in so many Dharma talks, this letting go, the surrendering to what is, uh, surrendering to the nature of this realm. This realm is a mixed realm. It's dukkha sukha realm. It's what's called from uh, by C.G. Jung, uh, the opposites. That this is a realm of the opposites. And how do you reconcile living a life? What's peace? What's a what's a good life in the realm of the opposites? It's tough. It's a tough question. And so uh, we we're surrendering to it. this. It's like this. Uh, again, so many of the monastics will talk about the nature of nature. They're pointing to all of this. And they'll talk about your nature. Our, our nature is the way we, it is for us. So uh, uh, we're, we're surrendering. And in that surrendering, uh, we actually become empowered. There is a defeat to the ego, but not a defeat to our well-being. Because the ego... The ego thinking it can do it, I should be doing it, and all of this, it has to let loose of that inflation and come more into its actual what it can and can't do. This ego meaning executive functioning that makes decisions, that interprets our experience, that uses lateral thinking and associative thinking uh, uh, to make a, make story, to make story. So this this uh this letting go, this surrendering at this level, and it turns out to be quite empowering in time. We, we, uh, uh, if we feel like, uh, you know, we are frustrated in relationship and relatedness, as we surrender to the, how it is for us, then we find ways of relating that, that, that we were already doing, but we didn't really know how to appreciate it. We didn't know how to drop into it. And so 
the satisfaction that we may have been looking for in one way, it appears in another way. It goes on and on, this beautiful unfolding of the Dhamma of living our lay lives, as we are living lay lives. And different kinds of instructions when he would talk to the monastics. Because they're, they're using the simplifies, simplified uh, approach that's very different, not complex goals and aspirations that we have. And then, the, so then this brings us to some, so the, uh, the forgiveness. Uh, once we surrender to this is how it is, we then become available to know surrender as a practice, surrender as a value statement, and forgiveness as a value statement. I don't want to be uh, denying or insisting on something that's not real, that's not really in, in this larger way. I want to be aligned. I'm very clear I wish to be aligned with the Dhamma. That's not being aligned with the Dhamma. This not forgiving means we're holding on. We're holding on. And again, it doesn't mean that we let loose of the regret when we were unskillful or someone was unskillful to us or all the many ways in our society that groups of people are treated horribly. And but that individuals at a society level, all individuals are subject to so many uh, uh, everything from crime to discrimination. Uh, uh, I can go on and on. Where we can be totally for social justice and still be manifesting this surrender and and this forgiveness. They are not at war with each other in my experience at all. In fact, the more we can do this, the more the more pure. Our work is the less we get ego identified with our work towards social justice, and then this third, uh, this third of this, this triplicate of accountable. Um, I, I don't know if any of you. I, I do know at least two or three of you were at the retreat. I just spent uh, in December. I did a three-day retreat on this. These three of. Of, of surrender, forgiveness, and accountability. So there's a lot to say, more than 10 minutes worth that we're starting to sit with. Accountability ties into that, into the, the integrity in the other three. Accountability is that we wish to be accountable. We aspire to be accountable to ourselves in terms of our values, including our values around practice that we wish to be accountable. It's an aspiration to be accountable. And we will only do it as best we're able. That's the humility. Otherwise, we set this bar and we find ourselves not raising, meeting that bar or we're going, am I really being accountable? Am I really being accountable? That is never the question. The question is, am I being as accountable as I am able. And we're available to see what the answer is. And we don't, we're not demanding the answer, we're living the question. As best I am able is a question one lives. And one remembers, one gets grounded once again in our practice that 
I'm actually, I am sincere about this practice. This is authentic. And I will, I will practice as best I'm able. And one fills one's genuineness. That's the metric we know. We may not be doing very well, but you, you know when you're being real with yourself. You can feel that. That's not something most people struggle with at that level that much. And so accountability in relation to the forgiveness practice, we can, we can be holding our, our, our culture accountable, we can be holding others accountable, and we can be holding ourselves accountable, even as we forgive. So we, we are trusting our integrity in relation to accountability. We're, we're trusting that we, have, uh, that we have humility so we don't... Because, you know, human beings love to be right. Self-righteousness uh, grows like a virus when we get into self-righteousness. Maybe, maybe you had a parent who was self-righteous or another relative, or maybe you've had your own experiences with being self-righteous. Not, uh, not coming from a metta, not coming from karuna, this self-righteousness. And yet it's so intoxicating, my goodness, my goodness. So this, uh, when we, we sit here with, with forgiveness, we are inevitably bringing in the, the, the surrender and the accountability. Is that clear enough? Nod your heads if that's clear enough. To me, for this, this all came from my own decades and decades of practice. I had to find these kind of, what I called the, the threes. I had to find ways to actually have a, an integrated view of how this actually meshed with life. Because I could sit and do the practices, you know, with, because uh, I sat many, I had the good fortune to get sat many, uh, you know, six week and three month retreats, things like that. But it didn't, it didn't take, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't leave knowing how to really to live the Dhamma in daily life. And so these things that, that I'm offering you is how to make it more real here on retreat to have to see how oh yeah I, I see why the accountability matters I see why surrender and forgiveness you know related I, I I get I get the whole of this rather than this list and that list and I get the whole of it as a lived truth a lived experience uh, uh, that I am available in this lived integrated way that that I am I I understand aligning in terms of all of these actual things like forgiveness, like being accountable, like having humility. I get how it all fits for me as a human being with an ego and with the limitations of human beings. So that's the offering. And now we will sit.
arriving. Arriving into the here and the now. Mindfulness front and center. Arriving knowing, because we have reflected, that you're arriving into this practice of forgiveness. Feeling the presence, the emerging presence of an availability available to the moment, a moment available to you, very distinct and different felt sense, each of those. And available to do this practice as best you are able, each of us as best we're able. Each of us not knowing, not demanding. Feeling the need to align. Why am I doing this practice? I may not be in the mood for this practice. All of this reactivity of mind that can so quickly come. And so we align. We aligned with the wise view, wise intention. I call wise view, wise aspiration. I wish to live with a, a, a daily, ongoing capability of forgiving. And to do so in a way that has integrity and accountability that involves the surrender. I'm clear about this. Why? Because it is my values. Because it is a way that is non-grasping. That the well-being that it brings is not based on what my ego thinks should be, but a skillful way of relating, a wholesome way of relating to what is. Grounded in our available, aligned, aligned, available. We are aligned with what we're about. So much wholesomeness before we ever turn to practice specifically. Can you feel the felt sense of that wholesomeness? You have to stay available to feel it. It may take you the entire month to just feel the wholesomeness directly once. Or maybe you felt it all along. Somehow we are afraid to give ourselves recognition when we feel wholesome. This is a practice of the heart. There's mental recognition. Could not do it without mental recognition, but a practice of the heart. It's an embodied practice, so we 
gently turn to the body experience, our second ground in the earth element, the stillness of the earth element. We feel the breath. We're available to feel the breath. And we feel the breath with a Dhamma senses. This vitality that we can discover through the breath. The vitality that's the heart's vitality, which we can feel here in the physical, in its own vital body, and in the emotional dimensions of consciousness. Whatever our relationship with forgiveness, whatever our relationship with being able to care, there is this dimension that recognizes in consciousness this caring. Sometimes we're afraid to feel it directly. Around forgiveness can be one place. So we do as best we're able. The capacity and the feelings that arise through that capacity of this dimension are different, like waves in an ocean. We can have a wave of anger in the ocean of our feelings dimension. It has a beginning and a middle and an end. This capacity, this ocean of capacity is there and there and there, just like the oceans. The waves come and go. You can always see, taste, feel, hear the ocean. So in this spaciousness, we turn to the practice of forgiveness. We will be using phrases for this today. There are three phrases that are used. There are many variations as to how they're worded. I have a specific one that I use over and over. If you already have one, you can use the one you have, or you can try this one just for this sit. I will say the phrase in pieces the first time and I will pause after each phrase for you to say silently to yourself to repeat that part of the phrase.
or any harm that I may have caused others knowingly or unknowingly. I ask their forgiveness. Now, if you will, please say it silently with me as I repeat it two more times. For any harm I may have caused others, knowingly or unknowingly, I ask their forgiveness. A slightly longer version. Maybe more capture the accuracy of your experience. For any harm I may have caused others, knowingly or unknowingly, through my thoughts, words, and actions, I ask their forgiveness. Repeating, for any harm I may have caused others, knowingly or unknowingly, through my thoughts, words, and actions, I ask their forgiveness. Repeating for yourself. I find a certain rhythm of it helps. It's like an incantation. Certain people may come to mind, or a person, or a situation. Because we have stated it as may have caused harm, we're not trying to sort out who shot John. We're saying any degree of responsibility that is mine, I want to own it so I can learn and in the future not cause harm in this manner. So we're harvesting our mistakes. We're turning them from meaningless suffering to a meaningful strength of recognition. or any harm I may have caused others, knowingly or unknowingly, through my thoughts, words, and actions, I ask their forgiveness. Said humbly, 
said with accountability, said with integrity, said with surrender. Meaning the area around the heart. You may feel it somewhere in and around the skull. Or both, or the whole body. As best you're able means you're available for the way it unfolds because you're not supposed to be controlling it, what it feels like or how satisfied you are with it. None of that's your business. Your business is the sincerity of the as best I am able. Moving on. For any harm that others may have caused me, knowingly or unknowingly, I forgive them as best I am able. The truth, your aspiration, your statement of your values as aspiration, not promising something that you can't fulfill. The integrity of this. For any harm, Others may have caused me knowingly or unknowingly through their thoughts, words, and actions. I forgive them as best I am able. This wonderful teacher named Helen Luke, she's been dead some years now. She said, it's not that we have to forgive. It's not that we have to wish that 
we could forgive. It's not that we have to wish that we wished. If we simply wish that we wished that we wished <laughs> that we would forgive, that's enough. This turning of the heart is like steering a big ship in the ocean of our emotional dimension of consciousness. The slightest turn of the will over time either leads us to open sea or, as the case of the Titanic, to the iceberg. So it's directional. It's an aspiration. It's a statement of values. It's a felt sense. We are sincere as an aspiration, and we are doing what we can right now. For any harm others may have done to me, knowingly or unknowingly, through their thoughts, words, and actions, I forgive them as best I am able. or any harm that I have may have caused myself knowingly or unknowingly through my thoughts, words, and actions. I forgive myself as best I am able. For any harm I may have caused myself. Knowingly or unknowingly. Through my thoughts, words, and actions. I forgive myself as best I am able. What is the felt sense of this for you? Are there voices in your head disagreeing? Any old feeling of shame, guilt, not worthy? Almara, each of us innately worthy, 
for any harm I may have caused myself, knowingly or unknowingly, through my thoughts, words, and actions. I forgive myself as best I am able. there can emerge a field of forgiveness. I have done Forgiveness Day for Spirit Rock for 20 years. Once a year, we come together for this purpose of forgiveness. The field can emerge in the room without any one person particularly able to do it but they can feel the reality of forgiveness as a felt experience, a true letting go, not an intellectual idea. Opening to this field of forgiveness here and now. It is our hearts that are entrapped, imprisoned, when we don't forgive. Feeling the body, what's the felt sense in the body? Wishing that we wished. Tentatively forgiving. Trying it on for size. Opening to the possibility. Could it be? Can I? Little things, big things, whatever comes up. The feeling without a person or an object experience, no experience, but just that forgiveness as emanating, 
just like the matter emanates. One time through again. Notice the felt sense, how much you feel as a felt sense the possibility when you say it to yourself. For any harm I may have caused others, knowingly or unknowingly, I ask their forgiveness. or any harm others have caused me, or any harm others may have caused me, knowingly or unknowingly, through their thoughts, words, and actions. I ask their forgiveness. A felt sense. In the body. Feeling the field of the room. For any harm I may have caused myself, knowingly or unknowingly through my thoughts, words, and actions. I forgive myself as best I am able. in this field of awareness. There's always the possibility of a stillness. The mind is still. And the heart is flowing. from this field of forgiveness. From our sincerity, from our availability, we turn now to metta. This heart that is not blocked in so far as we have choice, 
we turn to this radiating metta. Metta to all those in front. Not just in this room, but on and on and on. Metta, metta, metta. For all those in front. From the very center of our being, thus our own being gets filled with this metta. Metta to all those in front. Friendness, friendliness, kindness. No demand, no requirements, freely given, freely offered, emanating, emanating, and radiating out, out, out to all those in front. Matter, matter. From our acknowledged humility, from the sincerity of our integrity and our dignity, this heart offering metta to all those to the right. Metta, metta, metta. Friendly, kind, benefit of the doubt. Matter, matter, to all those to the right. In front, to the right, and now behind, to the back, to all those in the back. Going on and on, radiating out and out. Matter, matter, matter. Pulsating, vibrating, flowing. Matter, matter. Friendly, kind. No demands, no conditions, no preferences. Free flowing matter, matter, matter.
the front, to the right, to the back, and now to the left. This opening from the heart, this radiating from the heart, from the very center, a subtle energy manifesting in the manifest realm, but energetic in its nature, fueled by this well-wishing that's innate when the mind and heart are liberated and open. All those to the left, metta, 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 And friendly, kind, benefit of doubt, metta, metta, not demanding, not requiring, not preferring, metta, metta. front, to the right, to the back, to the left, and now to all those above. Metta, metta, radiating out to above. Flowing pulsating, vibrating. Metta, metta, to all those above. Kindness, kindness. Friendly. Caring, caring. Well-wishing. Not an exchange, but a freely given Matter, matter to all those above. Likewise, from the front to the right, to the back, to the left and above, we complete the encircling of all beings with this well-wishing for all beings below. Nata, nata, nata. pulsating, vibrating, tingling, wave-like, boundless, 
spontaneous, not efforted, not theoretical, but rather as best we're able. Aspirational, intentional. Metta, metta, metta to all those below. Sitting in this room, we're each the beneficiaries, the recipients of this metta, just as we are the senders. And you open to this field of metta, receiving it, sending it, radiating it, in the presence of this radiating. What is your felt sense? What's your internal experience? Not your theoretical of shoulds or would or if, but the here and now. available to this field of metta, this field of forgiveness. And you feel thus energetic of it as movement. Metta, metta. And and you feel it as stillness. Experience it as the stillness, the very center of this radiating metta.
what would it be like in the early morning sit to do one or both of these practices for just 10 or 15 minutes? What would it be like at the 3.30 sit and there's not metta that you come in here in your room and you do the same practice connecting to all the sangha here, whether they're present or not. A still mind in which the heart flows with love. Such a small amount will go such a long ways. You're not supposed to believe me when I say that. It's the invitation of the Buddha, Epasiko, come see for yourself. It can take repetition, it can take repetition of one or two days, even a week. It takes repetition so often. I, it took me a year and a half to be able to say metta for myself. I had no trouble having the feeling and everything of the metta for others. I walked out when I was first exposed to it. It was so uh, not the way I treated myself. And... Uh, year and a half of practicing to get the feeling for the, to be able to do it. I mean, just like, not like, oh, then it was all great. It was that's when it started. Year and a half's not really that long. Opening to our possibilities 
you would think that would be easy because when we were playing sports or being in the play or learning math or an instrument or hopscotch, whatever it is, we, we, it wasn't hard to open. Our enthusiasm opened naturally. As adults, we live, we live in a complicated relationship with ourselves so often. Very, very confusing, including our ambition. Our own ambition can uh, uh, be in our way of opening to what's possible. Thus the importance of this humility and the best I am able. We become available and then the Dhamma does us in, in concentration, in insight, in the Brahma Viharas, being available and aligned are favorable conditions for what's possible in this moment for each of us. From that moment of planting those seeds in a very lawful way, future, future growth will occur because we have planted seeds. And, we, and we've done it with an attitude where uh, our aspiration has as much purity, freedom from ambition as possible. Just as best we're able. It doesn't matter that, we're at, that we have ambition, spiritual ambition, as opposed to aspiration. It matters that we are aiming towards the aspiration, letting loose of the ambition as best we're able, and moving towards the aspiration, the, that humble being available for the Dhamma to do us. It doesn't matter where we are now from where we start from. None of that matters. What matters is in that that movement towards in that way, it, it, uh, it, it self-purifies. We sit on the cushion and then the Dhamma does us. It's, self, it's, it's naturally arising. There's not, a, uh, there's not some mental construct. It's the experience itself. This, this Vataka Vachara, the we have aimed and we've made the contact. We're connected to the Dhamma and the vachara. It's sometimes called the vachara is translated as uh, reflecting. That reflecting, uh, Upandita would say, it's like polishing the bowl, the bowl of our, our mind heart, polishing it, getting those layers of delusion and and wanting and all the scratches, polishing it, polishing it. Simple in that way. Thank you for your practice. I would suggest that you walk, you do walking practice, even if it's only for five minutes, and your walking practice, you get to your walking place, and you say, as you start to walk, I'm stepping into metta. I'm stepping into metta. Or you can just take the step and go, metta. But that you are, there's a movement in. That stillness is the aligning, and then the movement in. 
that's just moving in. You're stepping into your own availability. You're not making any claim other than your sincerity. And your sincerity can have a fair amount of doubt. That's okay, too. But the, the, the sincerity, the authenticity, the humility, there's so much less of us in the way. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.